2: Welcome back everybody to another episode of Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. I am your host Walt and I am joined by my world renowned co-host out of Central Florida. Dude, uh, the month of June is almost gone. We have just finished the Yakin for Bass Challenge. There's going to be an episode coming
3: on that shortly, but uh, right now, how do you feel with the summer? Man, I feel good that 30 days was a a grind, uh, especially uh, getting out there fishing a bunch. I got to meet up with you right at the very end. We did a little uh, night fishing venture, so that'll always set you back a day or two (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) when you spend the night out on the water, uh, for sure. But hey, man, it's good. It's uh, still good to be king of the creators, man. I wasn't uh, dethroned this year, so I'm happy as can be with that. And, and now I'm looking forward to uh, kind of getting things dialed in for hunting season. I haven't checked my quotas yet. I was just actually fixing to do that when you called me in see yeah. if I drew any. But I don't think I'm going to draw the ones that I put in for because I don't have any points sure. f- for any of them. But I'm not too worried about the quotas this year because I'm going out to Iowa. So I'm going to be <laughs> chasing the the giants out there. So if, if I get drawn, I do, I think some of my buddies are due to get drawn for some of the areas around here and I'll be able to go as a guest with them. So I'm looking forward to that and seeing what they draw and what that'll entail scouting wise. How about you? Yeah,
2: dude, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm ready to recover a little bit. Maybe take a a week or so to recover from, uh, you know, all the grinding. I mean, there's a lot of early mornings, a lot of, um, (laughs) a lot of late nights and, Dude, I, I got drawn, uh, as of right now when we're recording this, I got drawn for uh, archery and gun, and I got both of the hunts that I wanted here in Florida, which is awesome. Nice. And uh, now we're just waiting on muzzleloader and hog. So uh, shouldn't be shouldn't be too much longer. Those results should drop. And I, I got to be honest with you, I'm still going to be doing a lot of fishing because it's a long off season. But dude, when I got that email that said permit awarded, I just got a fever about me and, and I'm looking around at all my trail cameras I've got prepped. It's like, it's time to go. It's time to go right now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I've been uh, listening to some, some other podcast, a uh, uh, hunting podcast as well. That kind of been getting me fired up to get out there and do some scouting and set some things up, especially with the trail cams, trying some new stuff this year. i going to see how that works out. So I'm, I'm getting there. Uh, it's it's still kind of a dead time for me though i'm gonna be honest yeah, it's yeah, still it's yeah. <laughs> so like i said it's to be so hot outside but i've been getting some trail cam pics i've got one cell cam that's been out basically running uh since season's been over so i got some pictures of bucks and velvet the other day it's not really in a it's just over a watering hole big watering hole i was actually getting some hogs there as well so i may have to go take out some of them but I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm getting there. I know. I know some people are dying for it. Um, and <laughs> the countdown's already been posted. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've got 90 days left, or it yeah. starts this. I mean, heck, in South Florida, we could be hunting in like a month and a half. <laughs> yeah, it's it. it. If we were really go getters, so yeah. we're it's a shame. We're lazy. not too far away for our state. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, I'm going to be hunting Georgia this year, so my season starts September 11th or or 12th or something like that this year. Okay. Um, Got a couple places I could hunt in September down here in Florida. Um But the habitat just doesn't seem like it's on par with what I've got just across the border. So I'll probably start my season over there uh, hunting some of the swamps down there in in, in southwest Georgia. Hopefully going to link up with with Josh Shinaberry. He's a Patreon subscriber uh, who hunts that area. So I'm going to try and link up with him. I'm going to try and link up with uh, Bo Lice, who you had on the show. Um, He hunts a lot of those areas. Um, so I, I'm getting excited. You know, like I said, I got a lot of fishing to do. I'm going to run trail cameras. It's not quite that time to really get excited about it, but I'll tell you about August, mid August, I'll probably really start to kick it into another gear, especially considering I'm not going to Colorado this year.
3: Right. You Oh, you're not? I didn't know that. N-
2: yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, Um, You know, COVID has has changed a lot for a lot of people. Uh, One of those things is I have to be a little more conscious about the fact that my in-laws live in town now. And, you know, we come into contact. We do a lot of things on their behalf because of COVID. And uh, I've got to be kind of safe with what I do. And on top of that, FSU um, and on top of that, my work really doesn't want me to do much traveling. And there's the danger that if I travel out of the state going into the fall, I may have to take additional time off. Right. Uh, to quarantine myself. And I can't swing that. And I sincerely doubt that my employer is going to be too happy with uh, you know, three weeks off. <laughs> I, just, I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine that they're going to be thrilled with that. So it's one of those things where I'm going to punt till, till next year, continue losing some weight. Yes, it stinks, but you know what? I've kept my health. I've kept my job during a pandemic. I've got to do a lot of fishing and I've got the, you know, entire fall ahead of me. So
3: yeah, 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 and it, it won't hurt you to focus on deer while you're down here, anyways. So.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. You know, that's, it, you know, last year I got that first deer on on photo on on video, and I'd like to push the limits on that. I'd like to get several deer uh, on on camera this year that I kill, and uh, one of the best ways I can do that is by being in the woods more. <laughs> so uh, this year we're gonna go, we're gonna double down on whitetails, but along those lines, whitetails. You mentioned cell cameras, trail cameras we've been talking about, we are going to have a really fun episode for everybody this week. Um, we're talking to Brian Stevens of SpyPoint. He runs their new podcast, which is a great listen. I, I encourage you guys to go listen to that. It's a, it's a real laid-back podcast, much like ours. The topics vary. Um, well, he does a wonderful job with it. But today we're going to break down and we're going to dive into tra- trail cameras and how to best utilize them because that's something that I feel like I've really slept on in years past is, is utilizing trail cameras.
3: Right. Yeah. I've been using trail cams for years um, and slowly been adding to the cache over time, but I still think I need to add more cameras. And last year I was probably a little some on my cameras. Um, Not not horribly, but I think I could have used them better. So I'm hoping, like I said, this podcast will kind of point me in that direction and maybe give me some uh, different ways or ideas that I can kind of set cameras up to get more pictures of big bucks.
2: Yeah absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's my goal this year is, you know, we've isolated several spots that hold quality deer uh, for this area, guys, you know, it's not going to be Boone and Crockett type deal deer, but uh, I want to isolate them. I want to figure out where they're at and I want to be more efficient with my time when I'm pursuing them. So I've got a little, our small arsenal of six or seven cameras now that are functional and ready to be deployed. I've got my first cell camera and that has really impressed me. And that was what really sparked this idea was you and I were talking about trail cameras. I was buying a uh, trail cameras, up left and right, and the the thought occurred to us, why don't we have someone on to talk uh, trail camera? This is going to be that episode. We're going to cover cellular versus non-cellular, the benefits of them. Um, It's going to be a good time, but uh, we've got a whole lot of people to thank for making this show possible. In fact, when I say that, we have added a lot of people to Patreon lately, (laughs) and I think we would be remiss if we didn't give them the shout-out that they deserve. So, Are you ready for this? Because it's going to be a mouthful. Let's do it, man. Okay. All right. Derek Outdoors, thank you for being a patron of the show. Jason Griffin, Ken Ruppel, Ruppel, Brian Stanton, Herbert Long, uh, let's see here, Tony Smith, Tyler Jackson, Jason Phillips, Ryan Boguski, Jacob Thompson, another Jason with no last name, Everett Park, and Donovan Reich, probably. Guys, thank you. That is incredible that we're announcing that many patrons of the show. Thank you so much for for deciding to choose to support us. That money is going into our operating costs. It's going to go into travel costs just as soon as we can start traveling again and meeting up with people. Um, but that, that money is going to help really push this podcast into the next level. And uh, I can't wait to get you guys decals and stickers and interview. you for the tethered phantom saddle and kit that we're giving away uh we're doing that in just a couple
3: weeks so i hope you guys are excited you should tell your friends about it yeah no doubt that phantom deal is uh, an awesome (laughs) deal uh i'm hoping uh it's i'm sure it's going to go to somebody that hopefully it goes to somebody that's uh had never been into saddle hunting uh and sure just lights the world on fire with them and they can go spread the word out that uh saddle hunting is quote unquote legit uh, to everybody, <laughs> but whoever it is, like I said, I, I appreciate all the new, the new patrons that we got and the patrons that we've had. So we, we yeah. have a good time with them on our, our Marco Polo group. And I hope the these new guys are, I, they're all guys. I hope they uh, join the Marco Polo as well, because it's always a good time over there.
2: Yeah, you no, know, for sure. and And, you know, we're not and we're not done with the giveaways. This, you know, for this year, we've got multiple quarters left of the year. We're going to continue to uh, do giveaways, and I think everybody's going to be really excited for next quarter as well. So, uh, you know, we're 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 dialing things up here, dude. And on top of all of that, when we're recording this, we're about five to seven days away from me having quality, high speed internet at my house. And, dude. I just got to say, you and I have been brainstorming about a lot of things. I am looking at the line right now that's been ran in front of my in front of my house, and I think people are going to be really excited with what we get to do moving forward once uh, I, I'm I'm current
3: on internet. Yeah, that will be a game changer for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you get some high speed and the YouTube channel and everything yeah. else that we got going on, so I'm looking forward to that
2: absolutely absolutely all right dude let's let him get to the episode i hope you guys enjoy brian stevens from spy point all right we've got brian stevens on the line brian dude thank you for taking time out of your summer to, to to talk with us uh today
1: man it's my pleasure um i'm looking forward to chatting with you guys and talking about game cameras and you know all that you guys got going on all that we've got going on and and uh just it's hard to believe the summer's here and we'll turn the corner to getting ready for deer season. You know, we're still doing a little bit of bow fishing, but you know, it's not going to be too long before we're, we're talking about getting ready to set up stands and put cameras out if they aren't already out. So it's a pleasure.
2: Absolutely. Well, Chase and I remarked right before we hit record uh, that, it, the the summer is going to blow past us if we're not careful. So it, it seems every year as you get further, further into being a good outdoorsman, the time the timeline just slings past you. And next thing you know, it's a, it's a cool front coming through.
1: That's exactly right. My man, that's exactly right.
2: <laughs> so why don't you give everybody kind of the the elevator pitch as to who you are? And, and don't uh, forget the fact that you've got that awesome podcast, of course.
1: Well, listen, I, I appreciate it. You know, I've been, um, an outdoors advocate my whole life. I grew up on a big cattle ranch down in Florida. And, and those of you that have watched some of our stuff back in the day from ultimate bow hunting TV, my, um, host on spy point now, Billy Lawson, he and I have known each other since the fourth grade and have, have chased many animals over the years in Florida. We grew up in Florida and, you know, and had the opportunity to start some businesses, um, in the outdoor industry and 2010 ish, and then got into videoing and, uh, doing that. And, uh, then we started, you know, doing the ultimate boat hunting TV uh, on the TV side and then transitioned, uh, to a lot of the social media where we, we saw, I think we saw the light of, you know, TV was probably not the most strategic place for us. And the kind of content that we were doing more of that short film video review kind of thing. And, you know, we seemed to find a niche and it worked and people liked it. And then um, had the opportunity to cross paths with Spy Point, you know, a number of years ago. And I did some work on the Chronicles um, with, you know, Scott look, which is Hunt Stand now, and did some filming for those guys. A great group of people uh, over there. And then um, cross, you know, paths again with Spy Point this past year with Dusty and Natalie and you know a spy point ambassador and we're we're doing more of the film series and content uh for um for spy point and just feel very blessed about you know having the opportunity so you know i've, I've been behind the camera in front of the camera i've edited done it all and um and it's been a great ride for the last 10 or 15 years
2: that's awesome
3: uh, where whereabouts in florida were you here we go
2: <laughs>
1: yeah man uh we we grew up um i was born in okeechobee and grew up on a okay. big cattle ranch down there and then moved to central florida and uh that's where you know i met billy we we had my family ran some ranches in okeechobee and titusville area and uh deseret and uh the mormon ranch and then um my dad was the president of the florida cattleman's in kissimmee and that's where the headquarters were and so we moved to kissimmee and um and then just you know did what we did there and and billy and i you know he lived in kissimmee his family owned a big ranch there between the near the orlando international airport and he and i've been running those woods um since you know we were kids and we we also love the water so we're big ocean love to spearfish bow fish dives um and you know spent a lot of time down in the Keys and. So people don't think of Florida, you know, as kind of the, you know, cattle ranching and, and epic center for a lot of wildlife and, you know, some fishing, but there's so much more to Florida. It's changed a lot, but, you know, I still love to get down there and chase Osceola's and hogs and deer hunt and do it all down there.
3: <laughs> yeah. Flor- Florida definitely provides a lot of opportunities that uh, people don't think about. Uh, a lot of them <laughs> just think, oh, they got small deer <laughs> and uh, but the, the fishing's phenomenal, like I say, on, on both coasts, the bass fishing is the best in the world for the most part. Lake so. Toho,
1: man, we grew up on Lake Toho. It was a top five bass lake for, for a number of years. Um, so, yeah, there's incredible fishing in Florida, both fresh and saltwater, you're right.
3: Right. So, but uh, did you ever hunt down near, uh, the what was it, Okeechobee area? Yeah, I mean, listen, we, we, you know,
1: it's so funny. I look at pictures, you know, back uh, when I was a kid and my dad and, you know, we had the flannel shirts and the blue jeans and sitting in a tree stand with a 30 30 you know um back in the 70s with a piece of plywood uh in between you know three trees and we killed deer but you know you wonder i wonder now i look back i'm like that's why we didn't kill any really big deer <laughs> <laughs> you know we didn't pay any attention to the to the wind or anything like that you know and so but you know in my older years Um, yeah, we, we've, we've hunted a lot. Um, Billy's ranch, he managed it really, really well. I mean, it it wasn't uncommon for us to shoot, um, you know, uh, 200 pound deer, 130, 140 inch deer. And, you know, for Florida, um, that's a, that's a deer and, you know, a lot of it's management. And if you feed them and you let them grow up and get age on them and don't pressure them and, and, you know, we were big on culling deer. So yeah, I've been fortunate enough to shoot some really in my you know my opinion some really nice mature deer in florida and shot a lot of big hogs. i'm a turkey fanatic too um you know and so there's just a lot down there that people can hunt and if you find the right places there's still some really good deer hunting down there
3: yeah no doubt there's like i always say on the podcast there's definitely pockets in florida that have big deer um i hunt near well alachua county it's one of the bigger buck counties in the state i think it's like top five in the state that produces big deer i mean it's not uncommon for somebody to kill 150 (laughs) uh, up here
1: Payne's prairie there i I went to school university florida and so um and so (laughs) i know lived in gainesville for a lot of years so i know that (laughs) county and there's some studs that that come out of that county and um i've seen them and i've done a little hunting there but um i know exactly what you're talking about
2: yep for sure. Yeah. yeah I, I knew that you two hadn't talked before, but I knew the moment he brought up Florida, you two were going to just hit it off. I <laughs> could just become best friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah baby. University I could have gone and got a cup of coffee, sat down Gators. the mic, and come back, and it would have perfect. But, oh, yeah, no, it's uh... – a. It's cool, man. I, I it's yeah. Chase. This is the first time I've ever heard someone speak glowingly about Florida. You know, like, like yeah, man. Normally, <laughs> we're small, the ones bro. making that pitch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely,
1: we'll be down. We're actually going to be down. Uh, Billy and my brother Mark. And I will be down in Key West uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We will be uh, spear fishing, and we'll do, we do something down there that a lot a lot of people do. You guys got to do it if you get a chance. Is we we bow fish mahi mahi, what thirty miles oh, wow. off of Key West and two thousand foot of water, uh, and we <laughs> uh, we'll fish, we'll we'll get them up, and then my brother jumps in. He's a he was a special op, special forces operator for a number of years and combat combat diver, and uh, he's a nut um, spear fisherman and he, he loves to get in the water with the sharks while we're bow fishing. him and so we, we film a whole series, um, of <laughs> bow fishing, um, that kind of stuff, um, down in Key West. So, um, yeah, we, Florida is our, our, our backyard and we love it, man.
2: <laughs> and just like that, Brian Stevens just showed everybody how much cooler he is than we are for sure. <laughs> like that, that, is, <laughs> that, yep. Oh. Next level. <laughs> oh mm-hmm. man. Well, one of the challenges that we face down here in Florida, and, and since you, you're from here, you know this, and Chase, you just yep. touched on it, it's pockets of deer. It's finding those areas, and I feel like you can do that on a macro level in the state. You've got Alachua County, like you mentioned, Chase, uh, just a little northwest of here in um, Mariana, and in that area, you have a good pocket of deer because you got some agriculture up that way. But even within wherever you are, There are pockets of deer, like right here in Tallahassee, I have found quite, quite plainly and easily over the past couple years now that this area, you might have 10,000 acres, but more so than anywhere I've seen in my world and in in my travels, there's 50 acres on that, that holds a lot of deer and narrowing that down has become a massive pursuit for me because I'm a public land hunter. Uh, like 99.99% that's what I do and we've got abundant public land here but not all of it is worth putting in the time and for years I slept on trail cameras this year really started diving back into those using them as reconnaissance tools And, and I couldn't think of a better person to to come on and talk about the products that Chase and I use but also share how people can use those to leverage their advantage in their own back 40 or wherever it is that they're hunting so I think the way I want to kind of start this off is, and, and Chase, unless you object, I kind of want to uh, touch on some of the things that you think people do incorrectly with trail cameras Because a lot of people get frustrated with them, um, and they, they end up kind of ca- casting them to the side or putting them on the back burner. I've done it myself, um, and some of that was self-inflicted, so maybe we could start there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would say the, the good thing for anybody right now in using a camera and the way I would suggest somebody using a camera is, is it's a way to gather information and information helps you make decisions. And, and then hopefully the right decisions on hunting deer and everybody has a, you know, a little bit different philosophy. Um, you know, I've got a philosophy, you guys have a philosophy of, and, and it's it, hunting deer and then hunting a mature animal or one or two mature animals, which make it even more difficult. So when it comes to picking a game camera, I think find something that you're comfortable with. I wouldn't, if you've never used a game camera, maybe jumping into one that has every bell and whistle and every feature is probably not the best thing to do because then you might get frustrated because you may not need and, or want to figure out all of those options. So, you know, spy point does have some very good basic cameras, um, that you can use that have the ability to expand battery life. That's the other thing that I would really encourage people to think about is finding a camera that either has the ability to have lithium batteries and, or, um, and or um, a solar panel to expand your battery life. So those are something that I think are basic that would be important. But start with something simple um, from a camera and get get your feet wet, get comfortable with it. And then if you want to use a cellular camera, then you know there's obviously benefits to a cellular wireless camera um, that can you know expand um, the ability to get real time information. And, you know, and that's where I think you can then begin to make, you know, day-to-day decisions on if you're hunting a particular an- animal. So, I mean, I think I would just start right there, guys, and just say, listen, it, it start with something you're comfortable with um, and, and then get comfortable, get some of that data, and then work your way from there.
2: Yeah, for sure. I, I think... I think the lithium component of it might be the most important component. If you can't do an external battery pack, or if that's not in your budget, you're just dumping, jumping into it. I've seen a monstrous improvement when running lithium batteries uh, than your basic alkaline.
1: Well, you have to think about it, too. What, what's the one Achilles heel to any game camera? It's battery life. And And so if you have the ability to maybe invest a little bit more money on a camera... That has a lithium battery component. And then obviously, you know, there is that solar panel um, aspect that you can add even to that that's going to recharge those lithium batteries. Um, you know, but even just the lithium battery itself, y- you've just eliminated one of the, you know, deficiencies that any game camera has, no matter how effective it is. If it doesn't have power, it's not going to take a picture. And Spy Point, you know, over the years, I think, has done a very good job of trying to expand and accelerate that type of technology to ensure that, you know, these cameras when they're in the field, they're working as long as possible.
3: Yeah. Right. I, I've seen that push for the, the lithium for years now. And then I noticed a big difference when I started running the the lithium batteries. Cause like I said, when you're running those alkalis, they drain down a little bit, little bit over time, the lithiums hold their charge for the most part, and then all of a sudden they just die off. And I noticed when I was using the alkaline batteries that when they would get down to like 50%, 40%, then you'd be missing like nighttime picks. Like it wouldn't take any nighttime picks for some reason or something different. Or maybe if they were just out of range a little bit too far where normally they would have caught that pick. So I definitely think that's definitely the way to go. It's interesting how far –
2: cell cameras have come. I was looking at some of the older spy points versus where they are today or just cameras in general. I mean, from used to have to put film in them, which is there's an entire generation of, of <laughs> podcast listener right now that doesn't remember those days. Uh, and, and, and I envy them because there's nothing worse than, you know, coming back and having the, the photos developed and then you know it's nothing, <laughs> nothing there. You know, I mean, it was, it was, it was terrible, but how do you go about assessing what trail camera style you put out um, or, or maybe your placement of that, how do you determine where's a good place to put a trail camera? And, and so it's
1: a great question. And, you know, my, my philosophy is just, you know, it's an end of one, but I would, I would say, I'm going to look at different things. I'm going to look at travel zones. I'm going to look at bedding areas. Um, I'm going to look at, well, obviously in an area where I think I might hunt. Um, and then also the time of year. You know, I mean, you know, I may place cameras and be a little bit more, um, you know, uh, conservative in, in how deep I go into an area if I'm going to be hunting that area versus, let's say, in the summer when I'm starting to know that they're they're growing in a bedding area, I might push it a little bit um, and go closer to a core bedding area, and you know, and utilize those cameras again. For me, it's getting it's getting intel from a inventory standpoint and you know the latter part of the season to you know winter into spring and then summer you want to see you know what's happening we all love to see that bone growth and it happens so quickly um you know into the fall to be able to say okay i know these are the deer that survived and then here are the area core areas that they're at and then even try to fine-tune to where is that bachelor group because if you're hunting early season obviously you're not hunting you you might be hunting one buck but he's going to be with other deer so it's where's that bachelor group betting and where are they coming out and so having a variety of cameras um is is key and so you can have a cellular camera that you can put and not have to touch and spy point i think has done a good job of trying to make those more affordable so you guys remember what two three four years ago um it was almost cost prohibitive to have Mm -hmm. you know multiple you know cellular cameras and so now i think they they try to enhance the technology and cut that price point so that way you have the the features but also you can maybe invest in several of these cameras um so i think if if i have a, a deer let's go let's go cellular versus regular camera first scenario if i've got a particular deer that i'm hunting and this is a big mature deer Okay, and I'm not talking about how many inches he has on his head. I'm talking a mature deer because a mature deer could be 140 inches right. or he could be 220 inches based on where you're at. They're still smart, they're hard to hunt, and they know what's happening around them. This is where I love a cellular camera because I it's going to prevent me from having to go in there on a frequent basis and check it and educate that deer. And I, I just, again... I've made enough mistakes and had some success over the years that I know when you educate that mature deer, it becomes harder to hunt. And the worst case you can do is to bump them. And so I love the fact that, you know, I can check it, get real time information. And if, and if he's starting to show up in daylight hours and you're getting that the next day, you need to be in that stand hunting that deer, if the wind is right and the real time information and preventing you from having to go in there and screw up that area and leave your scent and educate that deer. That to me is where a cellular dates away and you have multiple farms. That's a no brainer. Um, but if it's just your backyard, I still think there's a place for a cellular camera. Um, you know, a regular trail camera, I think still has value too. Um, and I like the ones that are the, the really the dark. I, I, one from the deer standpoint, some people may argue it doesn't make a difference, and, and others may say you may have pressured deer. So if you're hunting that public land and you got multiple cameras and people out there, who knows? That, that red light that is going off all the time may booger them. Maybe it doesn't, but so I'm going to err on the side of creating a scenario that the least amount of disruption for that particular deer where I just don't want to know. And then from a trespasser. Somebody's walking. They walk by and they see that red light glow. What's happened, guys? To your camera?
2: Right, it's, it's gone. They're gonna <laughs> <Exactly>. steal it.
1: It's <laughs> gone. And so you you want to you want to prevent that. And so I think you know those are cameras that I like. That may not be cellular. It is a solar panel with a with a no glow light. Um, is just those are things that I like. Doesn't mean that the other stuff won't work. But those are just a couple of scenarios where I might use a wire or a cellular camera versus a non-cellular camera.
3: Yeah, right. Yeah, and Brian, you mentioned something, and I know a buddy of mine uses his cell cams uh, for like immediate intel. Like he'll use the features as he'll get pictures. Cause I know there's features on it where you can get pictures right away, or you can get pictures like every four hours or every six hours or whatnot. And he'll set him up to where he gets max battery life, but then an hour or so before he goes into hunt, he'll set him to where he gets pictures right away. So that way he can look at those or get up-to-date information, go, oh shoot, that buck was there 20 minutes before I got in there. I'm not going to go in that area and intrude because he may be right there and I may booger him out of there walking into the stand.
1: That, that's exactly right. And I, you know, and so I think, you know, in the summer months, you know, or before season starts, you, you don't need as many like right now pictures. You can set it to every four hours and use the settings. And that's the cool thing about spy point also is that they've got the app and the spy point experience that allows you to customize so many different things and, and ways to use these cameras to fit your particular needs. It's not a one size fits all. But let's just say it's during the rut and that buck has been gone for four weeks and then boom he shows up and you know what if the wind is right you go and you hunt him that next day because he's there now versus and i've made this mistake many times as you you hunt 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 and you're hoping one day he's going to show up well you know what? if you're hunting on those days that the wind's bad and he knows well you can almost guarantee that he's not going to show up mm-hmm. and so i think if you have that real-time information in the two scenarios, it's just going to increase your chances of getting an opportunity to get eyes on that deer and bow, and bow range.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the other thing that you talk about the public land, it's like a couple different things tied together. You talk about the no-glow so that it doesn't show up for for um, theft purposes on public land. As a public land hunter, that's a big deal. The micro is so small. I love it because it just disappears on the side of a lot of these trees. I, you know, I also hang them up high enough and with it with a strap. There you go. But you know, it's one of those things where I can I can get it out of somebody's eyesight. You're removing the ability for them to see it, and then on top of that, I don't have to go in there if I'm not getting photos because I can jump in that app, which is just phenomenal. And see if the battery life is where it needs to be. Is it triggering like it's supposed to be? I can see everything right there, and and reduce how many times I'm going in there. Because if it's a honey hole on public, it all the more reason that you don't want to be back in that spot until you need to be.
1: No, hundred percent. And I, you know, I I've seen you know a, you, a lot of guys do where you could literally take one stick from a lock on stand and carry it with yep. you put it up and climb it up and then you know spy point has you know a screw screwing hook that has an adjustable ball so you can adjust it down so you can get it up and then you just take the stick down and you take it with you when you leave and um and so that way as you said it's it's out of sight but even if somebody sees it they're not going to be able to climb up there and get it and it just minimizes the, the ability and or they got to put a lot of effort into it and so, you know, that's a great tip, um, you know, that I've heard from other hunters and public land or just in general of way to use some of these cameras and keep them out of, you know, eyesight.
2: Yeah. that, that's, that's my go-to method. I take, I, I take it maybe one step further. I've got a little aider that, that doubles down for it. I hang most of mine somewhere between like 10 and 12 feet up, you know, on a pretty okay. steep angle down, um, Yep. yeah. But you know Florida, it's nothing but pine trees. You know it, it's 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 you can't hide it up in the panhandle, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know I'm 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 working really hard, but you know you also, are yeah. The price point on that camera is so so favorable that you're willing to take that risk. Um,
1: well, and the cool thing about that, the the Link Micro series is that they have the. Built-in solar panel and the lithium battery. So they just came out. They just sent me a a few of them, and the packaging is super cool, man. And they've got the battery and the solar panel. So yeah, you may not get a lot of light in some of those pines down, you know, down there in Florida, but you got the lithium battery, so it it, you you get more bang for your buck.
2: Absolutely, yeah. It's 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 a wonderful tool at the disposal. I I wonder what your take is on. Um, a good combination of cellular versus non-cellular because do you, do you have all your cameras deployed and uh, as the season goes on, you move them or are you just kind of rolling with an arsenal of a couple cameras that you can pop out whenever you need to?
1: You know, my scenario might be a little bit different than, than others, but I would say, listen, I'm going to roll, I'm going to roll cameras, you know, all year based on my scenarios, so I might have just one or two going or um, and I may you know, if it's a non-cellular, I may check it you know every you know week to a couple of weeks. Um, and if it's a cellular camera, um, I may have it at a setting where it's just taking you know and saving battery and and not eating up a lot you know for that per- that particular window. Um, but I will have you know my cellular camera, probably in an area that's closer to the bedding and that that trail that i even though it's the summer i just don't want to get in there and bump them a lot um and then i'll use a non-cellular camera let's just say if you're able to feed you know or you have a food plot then i'll use those cameras near that area that i'll literally just drive up and that's the one thing as i'm a big fan of i like to drive to you know whether it's a tractor it's a truck versus walking across you know if you can um but if you drive up and that's your non-cellular camera i i think it's less disturbing especially this time of year to use you know uh, and i i love the solar dark series or the you know those are some of my you know favorite just because um you get the combination of the solar panel. i'm a big believer in that uh and you get the the no glow lights so Um, that's just one and then you have you know just you know your regular um, dark series or the force cameras you have a force 20 which is a small little very you know reasonably priced non cellular camera that um, no globe small compact and you know it's gonna take great pictures take some video and, and really be a workhorse so I'll use some of those you know type of workhorse cameras what I call them um you know in a variety of different places but i'm going to use the camera that's next to the bedding area the most sensitive place i'm going to use a camera most likely a cellular that has a solar panel lithium battery and cellular so i don't have to go back in there on a regular basis you know in the summer yes it's it's less disruptive to them Mm -hmm. uh, but still um you know, I I just like to minimize the area. And listen, it's good to get in there. We all love checking the card. I mean, come on, it's like <laughs> Christmas when you go do that. I mean, <laughs> it, you you know, who doesn't like to go pull the card out and you know either check it right there or in the truck or when you get home. And so you know, I I love doing that too. Um, and you can see the area, of the sign. Are they still using that trail? All of those things I think are good. But again, I go back to the most sensitive areas that are the most susceptible to pressure to bumping a deer or a, you know, a bedding area where that doe is going to start blowing her head off and, and just minimizing the area in there. So then that way, when you know, he's showing up, you find that right route, you get in there right when, and you're, and if he's showing up most likely in the next two or three days, you're going to kill that deer.
3: Right. And I know a lot of guys like to use the non cellular cams to just let them soak like they'll let them they'll put them in spaces where like i just want to see what this area does for the season i'm not i'm not going to hunt here but i just want this camera i'm going to have a camera here for the whole season and then you don't need to go check it you're just like okay i'm just going to use that intel for next year as opposed to like right now information
1: that's exactly right and and you know and, the, and so the force cameras if you you know just from a spy point standpoint they have these these force cameras force 20 um and others that are just small compact again not real expensive and they take great pictures and they're just going to soak up that information for long periods of time and be a workhorse you know and so you you need some of those workhorse cameras to be able to do just what you described
2: you know i did a lot of that last year Uh, i think last fall was when i really started to kind of tinker with the idea that maybe, you know, my success would incru- improve if I had these other data points, like what you're talking about, because that's all it is. You know, you're finding patterns, you're trying to put the odds yep. in your favor, and it, what I did was well, I took several non-cellular cameras, and I stuck them in places where I had theories. Like, I think that when X happened, well, for example, I, I went like a mile into a swamp just down this old path that you could barely even see it was there sometimes. And I hung a camera like 15 feet up, and I left it there from the beginning of our deer season, October 23rd, all the way to the end of it when that piece of public closed. And my theory was I'd be willing to bet you that when the hunter pressure on the pine flats increases, deep down in this swamp, this is going to become a spot that's going to carry a lot of deer. And literally the moment deer season happened, I went like two weeks before I got my first photo, but right as bow season, just bow season pressure kicked on, all of a sudden I started getting deer photos, and then as muzzleloader and gun season picked up, I had all kinds of daytime photos uh, that that indicated that that theory was correct, and now I can, A, apply that to other parcels on public, and B, now I know I need to put a cellular camera there, because there were some really nice deer moving around when I could have been back in there, um, and, and I think that's yeah. where they kind of complement each other.
1: Yeah, when you go hang up that cellular camera, you need to hang up a tree stand too, man. Because <laughs> that, thats thats where I'd be hunting too. I mean, you know, because do they run dogs up there still? I know years oh, ago yes. they used to. Yeah. So you know, in Florida back, you know, old school Florida hunting is running running dogs, and Bill and I hate you know hate that, and it's just some people love it. We just because we were bow hunters back in the day, and we were tree stand hunters, and it just made it hard to sure. do both. And that's exactly what those deer are going to they're going to go to those sanctuaries like you just described and if you can get in and get out without making a a lot of ruckus and educating them those are some of the bigger deer are going to show up and especially those florida bucks is in the swamps and that's you give billy and i a choice to hunt florida we're gonna say where's the swamp and the thickest gnarliest stuff and that's where we're gonna go <laughs> hang our stand
2: yeah that that you you to the textbook that's what you just described this one piece of public uh, you can't dog hunt on it the surrounding area around the public is dog hunted, so you also see a lot of in, influx of pressure of you know deer yeah. coming for safety as well um, but dude i didn't and you the best part about it was this is like the you know the icing on the on on the cake here. I didn't get the first d- uh, human photo the entire time. Soaked for four That's a beautiful months. Beautiful thing, man. No one was there. This is the biggest That's rub nice. line you've ever seen leading to it. You would have thought it was just you know been a a billboard, but no. So. It, it's well it, good
1: for you man you found a little honey hole yeah. and uh
2: um,
1: <laughs> and uh you need to you, i need to hear a story next year you got to get the time in there and kill a big one in there man
2: well i just got drawn for my quotas so i've got three weekends in a row that i get to hunting Beautiful. so i'm yeah, nice. fingers crossed man we will we'll have you on to talk to break that one down since you know florida absolutely <laughs> oh man that's awesome
1: let cameras be a tool um, and just always, always think about a camera is is gathering information because we can all just go out there and hunt. and that's fine. You know, if it's just a getaway and just, you know, be outside and you know, if something happens, great. But there's a, also a lot of people that put a lot of time and effort into what they do and their passion for hunting or bow hunting. And the beautiful thing about the cameras, you know, today, Um, is that they, they give you enough features and benefits, but it's just to give you Intel to meet your scenario. And it doesn't have to be a one size fits all anymore. You don't have to have a cookie cutter frustrating camera, um, and use the variety of cameras for your scenario and your setup, but use them to help you get information. And the biggest thing that I learned, you know, years ago, um, from a buddy who shoots giant deer every single year is that don't hunt until you know that deer's there or when it's right if you're hunting a particular deer or you know an area that you know has got it just don't go in and blindly hunt it and that goes with the wind and it also goes with you know when they're showing up in those daylight hours and that's where these cameras can help you with that piece and then you know the nice thing about the spy point app and experience is it actually does give you the game forecast times and the wind and all that so you can actually plan and map out your whole hunt through that resource but those are just a few things that i would just over the years making a lot of mistakes and fortunately you know have shot a few nice deer um that i've learned
2: yeah, I I think the thing I'm most excited about this summer we've we've talked a lot about how busy and and but also long the off season is. With that cell camera, I'm gonna get photos, man. And it's always gonna it's it's gonna be like whenever I've said it, got it set, I'm gonna start knowing. Oh, I'm about to get some photos. I'm about to get some photos, and I feel like that excitement is gonna help make the summer pass by.
1: Oh, it, it is, and then when it comes, I mean, I've got a buddy. We hunt a small little farm here in North Georgia that's got some freakazoids on it, and it's kind of the urban suburban area, and I and I I hunt more with my son there than I do just because, and he shot his first Pope and Young buck last year at seventeen, and um and it was a nice deer, and there's some, and it's just Sean, just I mean, he's he's had some cellular cameras down there, and I mean, he just you know. I, five minutes ago, I just got this picture, Brian here. He's here, he's showing up and you get to talk <laughs> with your buddies. And if it's just you, you get excited. But if you have a, a group of people, you know, hunting a lease, that's the cool thing about this too, is you, you get to share that with everybody. And, you know, and it's just, it, it just makes what we do that much more enjoyable. And I've gotten to the point now where it's like, yeah, you want to shoot that big deer, but you celebrate somebody else. But if you shoot a big buck man with your bow, um, you've done a lot to get to that point and make it happen. It just doesn't happen automatically when you're bow hunting or even gun hunting too, for the most part. So you celebrate it, man. And the cameras are a great way to just help you do that.
2: Absolutely. I've got a photo uh, on a cheap Tasco in 2015. I shot my personal best with the bow. I have him on camera looking at me as I grunted which is just the coolest thing in the world, man. Absolutely, man. Yeah. That's,
1: that's, that's priceless.
2: Yeah. No, it's, it's the coolest. It's just like you see on TV, you know? Like, yep. <laughs> Oh, man. So, Chase, do you have any, any final thoughts, any questions?
3: Yeah, I had a, a couple of questions, actually, on the cameras, uh, is there anything that we can do with the cameras, like maintenance or preventative things to help extend the life of the camera? And then when you go in to set your camera up, is there anything special that you're doing? Like are you f- facing the camera a certain way to avoid sunlight or any little tips like that?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I mean, listen, there there are some things that, you know, you can You know, go on the website and and Dusty and the guys are really if you sign up for the newsletter are really trying to create a platform of giving continuous information on how to maintain your camera and and the the nice thing about, you know, spy point is that their customer service is second to none and they've invested a tremendous amount into um, their customer service. So if you do have questions or needs, you can pick up a phone and, and talk to somebody. Um, so about your camera maintenance upgrades, you know, firmware, all of that, I think in general, you know, I mean, listen, um, they're pretty solid and you can leave them out and go. And especially if you go to the lithium battery, you have less, uh, you know, with that moisture getting in with the alkaline batteries and, and creating, you know, some issues in there. So I think, you know, if, if you're not using the camera, listen, pull it out and, you know, keep it this side. Um, if you, got a workhorse and you're going to leave it out there for months then i don't think you need to worry about it um and then as far as placement um you know i think placing it based on where the sun is going to be um on that trail is important if you're using a non-solar camera because you don't want there to be a glare when that animal crosses that path of the the sensor and then you have a blown out picture it's not really anything to do necessarily with any camera it's just you know if you take a picture in the sunlight it's going to be hard to see it so i think keep that in mind and then obviously if you are using a camera that is you know a solar based you know place it so that way as that you know kind of know where the sunrise and sunset's going to be so it's in the most optimal position to, to capture some of that sunlight for a period of time and recharge, you know, those batteries, you know, and then the other part of it is, you know, where do you place it on the tree? You know, a lot of it, you know, times, you know, I like to do it waist high, but you guys have talked about strategies on, you know, placing a little bit higher and tilting it down, whether it's uh, you know, a human pressure standpoint or some, you know, and I also, I like to spray my cameras down. You know, if when I set them up, I'll I'll spray them down just, you know, because I'm touching them and all of that, especially if it's real close to a trail. Um, And so if you put it higher, then, you know, you have less opportunity for an animal to smell it, know it's there. And uh, and I'm telling you, I do believe there are times a buck will walk behind the camera if they know there's a glow and they smell it. They're just going to avoid that, and so do the things based on the type of pressured animal you have, to just minimize letting them know that you're there. So just be a few things I'd I'd throw out to everybody.
2: That's some really good information. I, you know, you mentioned that glow that last time, and it it reminded me. I had a fellow. You're going to enjoy this. I had a fella tell me his theory on why deer are scared of trail camera, uh, like the low glows. And that is because of their depth perception. Whenever that goes off, it looks like a, a dim red headlamp of a hunter walking in.
1: I, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, li- listen, I, I, if you've had multiple cameras or you've walked by them, you, you instantly look at it mm-hmm. and yeah, a deer has different eyes than we do, but still, i just believe they know and and every deer has a personality sure i mean in in summer like it doesn't matter they're not going to get spooked about much and then you're going to have some wiry does and some wiry bucks and and especially in a high pressure area anything out of the normal they're going to know let's just think about it this way if you put if it's in your house in your bedroom uh, or in your living room, and and a couch is out of place, or turned, or a chair, or something's not right, there's a cup on the table, you're going to notice it, and I do believe deer that walk these trails every single day, they know when something's different, and and I again, I go back, if you're hunting a particular animal, it's hard to do, um, and so do everything you can to think about it with that mentality of, I'm in their bedroom, or I'm in their hallway, getting to the living room. And I want to minimize them knowing that I've ever, ever been here. So, you know, some deer don't care, but there are some that do. And I like to err on the side of caution. And if I'm hunting a big deer, that joker's not going to know that I've been around.
2: That sounds like Chase's theory on the big buck he's chasing down there what one of many yeah one, one of many, many ah. right. <laughs> oh, the rich grow rich well, hopefully
1: they.
3: one of them will pay off <laughs> absolutely it will man
1: it will and when it does there's uh there's there's no better feeling you know i've, I've missed a some heart wrenching but i've been fortunate enough and you know you guys know when you, you get a chance to put a big mature buck on the ground with your bow man it's just And again, I don't care if he's 130 inches or if he's 200 inches, that deer is over four years old. They're just, they're hard to hunt.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They they don't get big by being dumb. No, they don't. (laughs) No, they don't. That's awesome, man. Well, where can people go to find everything that you're producing and all the new content, a lot of new YouTube content from SpyPoint? Yeah,
1: I mean, I I, I think, listen, um, go go to spypoint.com and, you know, there's uh, Project Spy Point that you'll find on there. There's the community where we're producing some of the the short film series. Josh is doing some, you know, land management and deer management series on his ranch in Kansas, and they're doing some really good stuff. And then there's just going to be general gear reviews and tips. So, you know, your, your hub is spypoint.com and you'll be able to navigate and to find, you know, all of the products, the new things coming out, the content and, you know, SpyPoint really is working hard to build a digital platform for information content that is not only on the website, but ultimately will be on the app. And if you haven't downloaded the SpyPoint app to help you navigate your cameras, you need to, because there's gonna be um, all kinds of filters and, and information there to use your cameras, but all, but as well, things to help you in the field, wind direction, scent information, game forecasts, feeding times, moon phases, all of those things that help you, again, gather intel to know when to be in the woods when the time is right. So those are just a few things I think people, you know, if they're interested, can, can go check out.
2: Absolutely, Chase and Tails Nation. I appreciate you guys. Go over there, check out what they're doing. If if you're looking for a new hunting podcast, I I, I thoroughly recommend it. It's, <laughs> it's 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 awesome. I, I enjoy every time I get the notification that there's a new one available. So, Brian, dude, thank you for taking time out your evening. I know it was a busy one, but uh, this this was a fun podcast, and hopefully, we can we can build on it in the future when Chase and I set Florida records for whitetails using the camera we can, we can jump back on here and and dissect. Listen, I'd love it, man.
1: I'd love it. I'd be proud.
2: I'd be proud, man. (laughs) Representing buddy. That's yeah. (laughs) Oh man. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Absolutely. You guys take care.